and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay then, today we are going to talk about joy. Now with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, could there be a better way to take a break from all of that than talking about the topic of joy? I don't think so. Now loyal followers of this podcast, and thank you very much for that, you know who you are, will remember that we've previously talked about joy in the workplace with Rich Sheridan from Menlo Innovations. But today's conversation is I think, going to be quite different. My guest today is Rajasvini Bansali, or Vinny to her mates, um, who's the co-author of a book called Leading with Joy, Practices for Uncertain Times. In a world where there's a ton of leadership books and doctrines about the choices and responsibilities of leadership, this book hones in on the real human side and speaks of transformation, love and joy in leadership that can sustain purposeful action and social change. Now, as a woman of colour who is a social justice and leadership activist, we're going to talk about the serious business of joy today and the risks and benefits of choosing a joyful path and what that can bring. Now, whenever I mention concepts like joy or compassion or empathy, When it comes to leadership, I still get the occasional, oh, you mean the fluffy stuff type of comments. And you know how triggered that makes me, right? But today, I am really excited. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what Vinny has to say on the subject, because she's such a great storyteller. And I know she's going to bring a completely different perspective to the way we've covered the topic of joy on the show before. And personally, I can't help feeling I'm going to learn a lot and probably grow quite a lot as a result of this conversation too today. Welcome to the show, Vinny. It's a joy to be here. Thank you for that warm and generous welcome, Andy. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. I've been looking forward to this conversation for for quite some time. Um, The topic of joy in the work environment is ridiculously quite a controversial topic because I don't think everybody really gets it. And I hope by the end of today's show, they've got a much better appreciation of what that actually is all about. Um, Before we get into all of that, um, would you mind just sharing a little bit of your background with with my listeners and to sort of what where you where you're from, what you're up to, what your focus is currently on? That'd be fantastic. Great, yeah. Uh, and I'm really missing my co-author Akaya Winwood, but um, she's out sick, so I'm happy to represent for both of us on this show. Uh, I'm Rajasvini or Vinny Pansali, and I'm the executive director by day of a donor network called Solidaire Network. 
Um, it's a community of donors organizing resources for the front lines of social, gender, and climate justice movements of our time. Uh, we are we not only resource and accompany movements to win, we also do the transformational work ourselves as a donor community to um, be more on purpose and to be more in alignment with the social justice issues of our time, transforming our own practices from accumulation and hoarding to redistribution and uh, reparations. Um, and, you know, um, how Akaya and I got to know each other uh, was through Rockwood Leadership Institute, where Akaya was the CEO when I was a trainee and um, she took such delight in watching me as a young leader fumble and try to find myself <laughs> and, uh, and offered her loving support and sisterhood. And that was more than um, 13 years ago. Wow. Um, so we've been walking a, a journey together um, that brought us here. And I mean, it is a real shame that Akea can't meet, be with us today. Um, literally struck down with illness at the last minute, which I know is affecting so many people right now. It feels like we're going through another cycle of of all of this kind of stuff, which is which is horrible. But the topic we're dealing with today that's 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 big. That's real big stuff, and that's underplaying it a million times. And your friendship's been there for thirteen years. You've kind of worked worked together and got to know each other. This book dealing with joy and leadership where did the stimulus for that partnership of writing come together did was it did you just meet one day and go we're gonna write a book or was it was it a slower process behind it where did it come from so Akaya had been approached for many years by different publishers as a, as a person in the leadership field that was mm. having transformative impact to tell her story. And in true Akaya's style, she doesn't do anything alone. She always <laughs> says, who can I look to and invite in? And, you know, I feel she's, she'll never say this out aloud, but I also feel like she's constantly looking at younger women of color and seeing if she can create more opportunities and pathways. And oh, I know that that was a big part of her approaching me about it. We were sitting in our in my garden one day having tea and she said, let's write a book. <laughs> and I have learned over the last 13 years when Akaya has a brilliant idea, you say, sure, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, underneath that is also years of trust as practiced um, and watching each other um, be generous in the way in which we move in the world. And so there's just an implicit uh, level of trust in that invitation. So when she said that, um, I said, yes, let's do it. And, and right before that, the conversation we had been having was comparing notes as leadership coaches with each other mm -hmm. and realizing that we were noticing some really troubling patterns. Um, yes, we were in the middle of a pandemic. Yes, the social justice, racial justice uprisings had just taken place in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd yeah. and other black men in the United States. Yes, um, we were in a kind of social upheaval. But we were also noticing that the leaders um, at the helm of some of the most important and necessary work of our times were burning out and were actually leaving their roles never to return again or um, handling, you know, the people in their organizations with um, without grace, if you will. Um, and we were noticing that people were coming into our coaching calls with some commonalities. And as we started to compare notes, we realized, oh, maybe our book could be a contribution um, to support 
uh, the, these leaders from losing um, heart yeah. and uh, maybe renewing their own sense of joyful, let, let's do this work for a lifetime kind of uh, belief and understand that they're not alone and that there are others um, that are with them. So that was the real stimulus for the book. Marvelous. And the, the landing on the topic of joy specifically, uh, out of all of the things that you could see were going wrong, and the problems that were were being caused by poor leadership, by social injustice, and how the knock-on effects that was having with relationships and leadership styles. Why, why did you land on joy specifically? Well, one, both of us um, see each other as embodying joy. <laughs> and one of the things that has drawn us to each other uh, in this work uh, over a decade um, is that we feel uh, an invitation, a celebration, a wholeness, even in our worst moments. And we have both shown each other some difficult moments uh, of ourselves. Uh, even in that, we can feel a veering towards joy as a thing that we want to create conditions for others. So that's one reason. The yeah. other way is Joy is a state of mind. It's it's an approach. Um, it's oriented in the heart and the spirit. Um, if you look at Black traditions, you know, as an African-American woman, Akaya can certainly relate to and speak to the role that uh, joyful song, joyful gospel has played in keeping people's spirits up through trying mm. times in the face of all kinds of systems that are trying to kill Black people. Um, in my own history, as a person whose ancestry is from the rural deserts of Rajasthan in India, where I am currently, yeah. <laughs> uh, and really appreciating once again the spirit of my people to live in an almost uninhabitable desert with great color and flavor. Um, you know, there's a lot of joy in the, in the rituals of day-to-day -day life, in the making of an excellent meal uh, and in the making of uh, ceremony, you know. And so we both realized we come from lineages of, of great joy that has helped our people, our ancestors uh, go through so much and, and to actually create conditions for others to join. We also realized that joyless obligatory uh, leadership of the kind that we often see in our social movements, uh, martyrdom, you know, a sense of like um, working to achieve a goal, but doing it at the expense of relationships and humanity uh, creates greater messes than yeah. solutions. And we realize that's another reason to tackle this whole to topic of joy. The sub line of our book is practices for uncertain times. We live in tumultuous, uncertain times. And these joy practices can actually help us not only thrive and survive as individual leaders, but also create the same conditions for others. I think that's wonderful stuff in terms of the concept behind it. And it can be related to so many different things. There's lots of doctrines within leadership that are very, very specific and almost almost channeled in a specific area where, whereas the topic of joy being can be applied to so so many so, and such a such a varied number of topics it's it's kind of an attitude right <laughs> rather than than anything else it's so true it is and and it's also a, a set of habits one develops over time and i think that's again that's interesting because you do talk about the process around joy yeah. 
it's yeah. not just a kind of well, like, there will be organic moments of it and and Absolutely. ways to kind of live it and manifest it but you talk about a process behind behind joy so w- what does that mean H- how would you explain that to a, an idiot like me no <laughs> Your topics are so joy-centered. I've been enjoying listening to your podcast. And, oh, bless uh, you. I feel like you are actually somebody who is uh, attempting to um, undermine this idea of, you know, soft skills. And I think you you did an interview about that. And instead, really talk about us being more human, leading with kindness, leading with compassion, leading with joy. This is not soft stuff. This is the stuff that can make massive transformation possible. You it's make that- my heart sing, Vinny, when you say those sort Absolutely. of words. I, I, I genuinely, genuinely love that. Because I think that is ultimately the spirit that I try and engender on yeah. on this on this podcast. We covered all sorts of topics. Some I know, some I, they're brand new to me. But I I think this being human thing, yeah, is so taken for granted and Absolutely. has been lost in business too often. I think. Absolutely, and there are systems that we function within that perpetuate a kind of callousness and a kind of transaction, and um and a kind of um. A feeling of not good enough and perpetuates that in human beings that yeah maybe in the short term we we drive results out of people but in the long term do we really create the kind of you know beautiful productivity that actually makes change whether it's in a business or it's social transformation um and you know part of the premise of our book is that if we really want to sustain this work for a lifetime mm. if we're about this kind of work that makes us wake up in the morning and contribute a majority of our living breathing hours towards creating something meaningful if we are really wanting that um, as a marker of success and not just uh, how many tired, exhausted souls are making, <laughs> which could be an older model, one would one could argue. Uh, but if we're really about that way of operating in the world that creates more goodwill, goodness, justice, then we have to transform the ways in which we lead. And as leaders, we have to begin to practice the things that we want to see in our workplaces. And I interrupted you on that process thing, but I, I guess you're trying to sort of say this is trying to create habits through action right attitude and action trying to create some positive habits um that are backed up with this kind of joyful essence behind the scenes now there's a very strong theme and again i am i'm sorry i haven't got the both of you here today because i just i just know from our kind of chat some time ago before we did we agreed to kind of get together and talk about this we spent quite a lot of time talking about social injustice and social transformation and the book carries a strong theme of that and so again we how do you weave just for the audience how do you weave that topic of joy and and in its role in Mm -hmm. trying to help some of that social transformation message that that you're so passionate about yes well, that is the field that we both come out of. Yeah. Uh, we both come out of um, social activism, out of organizational development work, uh, leadership development work for different scales and sizes um, of organizations involved with social justice. Um, and we, you know, one 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 who's not in that field can look from the outside and think, "Oh, you're working towards such lofty, noble goals. Uh, everything must." 
definitely be better than you know a factory that's manufacturing parts for a bicycle um and the and and the and the sadness we sometimes hold is that um uh, sometimes there's a huge gap between our espoused social justice values mm. and actual ways in which our organizations are structured. And so the reason why we speak so much um, about social transformation is that we're saying if we truly want to end the systems that perpetuate oppression and exploitation of human beings, then our organizations and our institutions and our social movements and our companies have to begin to embody a set of practices that begin to address those. That's not all you know, you know, there can be a, an, a, a misnomer to think that if you create the perfect little microscope within uh, a workplace, then somehow we have now established systemic justice and mm. structural justice can be done away with. We are not naive to believe that. No. But we believe that there has to be a level of congruence between uh, the ideas of societal level change that we all seek, or at least the two of us are committed to, and <laughs> the way we run the organizations that give people an entryway into that work, that invites them into that work. I think listening to you as well, there has to be a kind of genuine intentionality behind yeah. companies getting behind this stuff. We exactly. see, We do see a lot of social washing you know, very, very veneer okay. um, support of these things rather than yeah. any real depth. I, I don't want to sound preachy, but with, without any real depth or real soul behind it, like a real in intention is the word is the word I would use. Yes. And I think this is this is really what you're trying to get to the heart of as well, isn't it? Yes. Not yeah, that's that's right. And I think that the other piece that brought us to this book, uh, which is related to that, is if we train up people to put their hearts and minds and spirits into this work of social transformation. But then we watch them lose interest, burn out, mm. uh, be exhausted, leave embittered. Um, then we, as a society, have a huge loss on our hands. And this is where the role of leaders, have to they have to step up. Because like in anything, if they don't show it's important, if they don't lead from the front, if they don't maintain energy, and I, and I love the fact you talk about if this is about sustainable delivery of this stuff, not just peaks and troughs. That, this, is why the, this is why it ties back to the leadership piece, right? Is that it's all very well writing a manifesto, we're going to do this and we're going to take care of it. No, no, no. Where's the action? Where's the intentionality? Where is the intentionality? Where is the vision? And where is the purpose? Yeah, I mean, I everybody knows I love the I love the topic of purpose, and I I think when you make the final connection, when when a purpose really hums and sings for me, you don't have to work incredibly hard at explaining why we're doing this thing that we're doing and why it's bigger than us and actually why we're doing it because it all aligns. You used the word alignment before, and I think when people just pick up random topics or popular topics that they think should be the, the the purpose they're really missing the trick it's got to be rooted in who you are what you do what you stand for who you stand with because if it isn't it's going to become tomorrow's kind of fish and chip papers we'd say in, in this in this in this I said fish and chip papers <laughs> i always get a bit nervous talking about these things is you know as a middle-aged white bloke um and we're talking about social injustice you know i haven't really <laughs> i've never suffered from that and um, the worst I've had is probably bullying for being a choir boy as a kid. That's the only kind of oppression I've ever really faced. But 
I don't think it should stop me from talking about these things and and making more people aware aware of the the importance of them. And particularly, it's not something that business can turn its back on. It needs. We spend so much time in business. If it isn't happening there, where 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 else is it going to happen? Where else can it really take root? And I think matching up the personal and the professional in this stuff is really important. Very important. And I would say, Andy, so many of the movements of our time that we have all benefited from that allow you and me to be in this conversation. Yeah. Oh, hundred years ago, we couldn't be. Right. There's no way you and I could be in a conversation as peers. Um, the, the, the class, the race, the gender, the societal differences would have kept us apart, right? So this whole notion of collective liberation, which is that you may not have personally suffered exploitation, but you have chosen not to live in a world where you benefit from my oppression. Right. And in that sense, your liberation and mine are tied to each other. Right? I love that. We, none of us get to be free in a world where somebody is being oppressed. And that's just the simple fact of it. But I think it's getting to a point now where standing by and watching that happen is no longer acceptable. It's about everybody taking part in moving it on quicker, further, deeper right and that's the only that's, way it's really going to happen that's it we may feel short-term dis- uh, advantages we may feel a sense of superiority in the in the very short term but in the long haul none of us win no <laughs> that's so true so true um i'm trying to sort of learn as much as i can from you in this conversation because this is the only way i'm really going to kind of be able to take these sort of things forward now when we have a look at the book and i think this is interesting isn't it because the way you just described those experiences the whole antithesis of sadness and joy becomes really 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 clear but in the previous conversation and working around the book you talked about the transgressive nature of joy now it took me a while to kind of properly understand what you meant by that right but can you explain that to my audience for me yeah. Vinny? just what, what what's that mean and what are we really talking about here Yes, we talk about um, joy being transgressive because it uh, changes the rigid socialization and the systemic ex- um, expectations from leaders, particularly, let's say, leaders like me. Yeah. The idea that we would be there to serve um sacrifice ourselves, not ask for anything, just... Uh, put our heads down and get to work has been perpetuated for so long Mm. that when you show up as a joyful leader with a full expression of your intrinsic worth, uh, with a full expression of your humanity, with a full expression of your capacity to connect across difference with people, it's dangerous because there are so many systems at play that would prefer that there's an entire underclass that is not concerned with joy, that's simply concerned with doing their duty yeah. and performing their job. And that joy is should be the, the purview of the privilege. These are what the systems have been set up to be. But when we begin to enact joy in our work, when we begin to imbue what we do day to day with it, when we allow glimmers of joy as a, as a beginning practice, then that begins to change those social expectations. This has been re- really coming home to me to be vulnerable with you for a moment um, yeah. as a, in Rajasthan. And I'm, I, I'm noticing, you know, I'm a, I grew up in India. I, I left and I 
had a career all over the world, um, but particularly in the United States. And now I'm coming back and spending time with a lot of my aging relatives. And I'm noticing that the men here are aging a lot better than the women. Wow. Uh, well, okay. I have a lot of uncles and aunts I've been spending time with who are in their 80s. And um, my uncles seem to be okay. They seem to be walking and take, getting their naps in. Uh, my aunties are all dealing with very serious health conditions um, and barely mobile um, after 80. And I've been sitting with this um, from a place of deep heartbreak. And I'm noticing it's that women have spent their entire lives caregiving. Yeah. So when in their 50s, late 50s and early 60s, ailments begin to show up, they bypass. Yeah. We bypass. We say, oh, but my child needs this. My grandchild needs this. My husband needs this. My, you know, and there's a whole lot of other social roles and emotional roles that women play in society. And then the men get to say, well, I walk three times a day. I need my tea at 4 p.m. I need my dinner at 8 p.m. Someone else makes sure that all happens. Right. Um, and so the system is built in for yeah. women to have a set of, uh, caregiving practices that are always oriented towards others and men for to be expected they'll be cared for and i'm noticing this the impact of that 30 years later on people's bodies and spirits that must be a tough thing to see it's very tough it's uh i've had to also use a lot of my practices in the book <laughs> to remain grounded and centered and keep my heart open yeah. and and be open to the lessons that are in this for me um, and to realize that my generation gets to do it differently. The gift that our aunties are giving us is that we get to um, orient ourselves differently when the back pain shows up or mm. when the, the sort of rushed diagnosis shows up. Uh, we get to actually take a pause and use some of the resources we have that they never had a chance of having. Mm. Um, to to do things differently. And so that's the other part about kind of leading with joy, right? It's a practice. It's a choice. It's not a given. And a choice is not something that is an easy choice. In this moment, faced with the heartbreak of seeing so many of my elders struggling and realizing what a completely enchanted life I lead compared to their struggles, right? how much freedom and self-determination I have as a woman that they could not even dream of. Mm. But then you also notice their delight, even though they're struggling in their bodies, most of them are not going to be here long. Even in that, their sheer delight in watching me, their grandchild, their granddaughter, grandniece, whatever, just watching that I get to be free in a way that their wildest dreams couldn't imagine, right? And then that brings me, so even as I'm experiencing the sadness and I'm experiencing the grief and I'm sitting with anger against patriarchy that made it so that people had to struggle when they didn't need to mm. or had to give up and sacrifice their lives for others completely at the expense of themselves. Even as I sit with my anger with it, I know that I can choose to focus on the fact that I'm their wildest dream come true. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? I remember you saying that. I remember that when we had our first chat, yeah. Akea said something along the lines of, it's really hard to oppress joyful people. Yes. Didn't she? Do you remember that? She did. <laughs> she did. It's right. 
It's right. And in this work, in this social justice work we do, and I would say we do social justice work in many forms. You don't have to be part of a non-profit or an NGO to do that, right? Mm-hmm. We'll do social justice work by creating humane workplaces in a corporate environment, right? That's justice work as well. Um that's work that is recognizing the inherent dignity and humanity of all people. That's justice work, right? And so in that work, um, it can become easy sometimes to collude with oppression. Yeah. And Akaya has so many wonderful examples of saying, you know, my mother was a domestic worker. She struggled. She literally worked herself to the bone so that I don't have to. I get to choose not to have a relationship with struggle that involves working myself to the bone. I get now notice that when my body is asking for a pause and um, that is about not colluding with with your own oppression and martyring yourself because that's what your ancestors did or that's what society expects you to do. Yeah. And I think this is the lesson or certainly the lesson that I took from the leadership side of what we were talking about here that the the approach of joy almost acts like a big shield right if you bring joy to the team bring vulnerability bring those sort of things but attack it attack every day with that kind of joyfulness whenever you're getting hit by all the pressures and challenges and naysayers and negativity there's a big old shell of stuff that that's got to break through before it starts to really demoralize you and i think the greater joy you can bring in your leadership style the easier it is to deflect or protect your team from the horrible stuff, right? That's it. You said it. <laughs> it all sounds so easy, right? But when confronted in a moment of crisis um, where it's easy to revert into some of the punitive ways in which we've been trained yeah, um, or to become um, aggressively demanding, right? Mm. Um it takes um, practice and it takes a community of people to hold you lovingly accountable to remind you to then um, practice joy I, and is being a joyful leader. I think this is the thing, isn't it? If you get into that downward spiral of negativity, yeah. um, you're only going to get sucked one way. The energy is only going to go one way in anything you're trying to do. You're never going to do your best in that in, in that environment. In the same way, if you take that, old-fashioned dictatorial approach that's only going to get people to cower and you're going to push people away whereas the the joy stuff just creates a real positive energy where people are 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 free and inspired to kind of do of their best that's how that's how i think of it anyway and i'm i i don't give a monkeys if anybody's sitting here going oh this all sounds a bit hippie and a bit fluff i don't i don't really care because you only have to take two seconds to think about when you've been in a place where you've been at your there happiest you <laughs> and, and how good and easy things feel. This is exactly the same. We take, we're talking about it on a much deeper level today on societal change and what have you for sure, but it still relates back. It's, it's a pretty simple concept really. And it's a wonderful exercise actually to, to, to sit back and think, uh, it's part of doing our internal work as leaders um, to take the time to reflect on where have I, where have I experienced joyful leadership? In a, where have I experienced conditions that perpetuate uh, joy? 
Yeah. So how do you create those conditions, Vinny? How, How do you go about creating those those conditions for joy then? So, you know, we always say in the, the book is filled with um, sort of our mistakes, our mishaps and our triumphs, I would say. Um, everything from practices of keeping the circle whole and healthy, uh, practicing care for ourselves so that we can care for others, mm. honoring and preserving other people's dignity as well as our own, um, understanding that grief and disappointment are also part of joy. Yeah, you cannot just. Um, it's not just about being Pollyanna-ish, only happy all the time. Yeah, unless we have the capacity to deeply experience grief and heartbreak, uh, we can. We're just performing yeah. joy. We're actually experiencing uh, it. So you have to actually move through those hard feelings. Um, you know, choosing kindness and trust and compassion when. Uh, when our impulse is to actually kind of become didactic and dictatorial, <laughs> um, practicing self-healing, forgiveness, you know, against these soft things that people may poo-poo, but the truth is it is the hardest thing to do to practice forgiveness, to deeply actually um, heal from our own wounds and to not um, unconsciously hurt people the way we've been hurt right? So much of leadership is about that. And we have seen, if we we all have examples, if we think quickly about a leader uh, that we consider to be a difficult or a hurtful leader, you immediately realize that they don't have, um, they haven't looked at themselves and they haven't done that internal work. They're out demanding things from other people, but have they actually slowed down enough to practice knowing them their own selves, right? Yeah. Understanding the impact you have on others is so, so, so important. Oh. And I get, this must be why I, I said it in the intro. It's a, it's directly come from, from you guys, but this joy stuff is a serious business. It is. It's, it's, it's hard work. You also mentioned before that it's a bit of a risk. Yes. Now, so why do you say that? Okay. So when you think about, um, organizations that are led with joy that are creating conditions for joy for their employees we don't we don't we never say it's the role of the leader to make joy happen right, right. as a leader you can create the conditions and other people have to accept that invitation as a leader you have to risk your own joy in order to be able to practice and model that for others right so true um you know we have realized that Joy is a risky proposition because the lessons that we are met with say the most important thing as a leader is to be inspirational, is to be decisive. It's uh, important for you to um, have a grand vision. No one says, um, you know, being a joyful leader is actually something that transforms organizations it's rarely heard right right and um and it can feel very risky when everything that's celebrated about leadership is actually kind of joyless if you think about it. Mm, mm. right um it can be uh it can be a riskier path because you risk also seeming soft yes you also 
risk um, having these qualities that actually make you approachable and human when the mystique of that distance disdainful leader is what's considered serious business, right? And so in that sense, choosing that um, and, and choosing the misunderstandings that go with it is risky. But we reckon that the the outcomes and the rewards are well worth it. Oh, daring to be different is is always a bit of a risk. But if it's genuine and authentic, why would you want to be anything else? Right. Well, and if you gave anybody a simple choice, would you like to be uh, kind of morose and uh, down and depressed about something? Or would you like to feel happy, fulfilled, and joyous? <laughs> You've got to be weird to select the former, right? So I don't, I don't think this should be such a kind of controversial, weird subject for people to kind of get their head around, right? Uh, it's only because we're talking about it in quite a focused way that it feels intense and good. I'm glad it does feel intense because this is the sort of stuff that makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, and also to go back to that idea of um, transformation, transgression yeah. you know, and risk. I mean, uh, the truth is that joyful leaders are able to imagine uh, outside the constraints of um, current conditions and mm. current um, constraints, if you will, um, joyful leaders are able to dream. That's risky stuff. So much of our work is often shortchanged by being reactive as leaders. Mm. Uh, what if more of us were actually able to be imaginative and dream big and actually execute and lead entire teams in that direction? Think about how much would be achieved. What a force. A what a force. You can fit that's a force you can feel. That's it. You know? That's it. Yeah. And and it then makes this work irresistible. Then more mm. people want to be part of it. Yeah. And then you have millions of millions of joyful people connected in a web of moving towards the kind of change we need and deserve. What a, what a wonderful thing. I I, I am having one of those moments on these podcasts where I, I regret having a format of a 40-odd minute conversation when it should be one of those ones that goes on for hours. But I <laughs> but I don't have that luxury at the moment. Um, I feel like we're just skirting around things we could get into so much more detail with. But we have come to the part in the show, Vinny, that I call sticky notes, right? Which is to try and consolidate some of the great learnings and advice and experiences that you've shared so wonderfully today onto which seems ridiculous onto three little sticky notes right that we could stick on the wall and i'll put on the instagram channel and people can take away so if we think about this question of why we should lead with joy if you were to put three bits of advice on three little sticky notes Vinny, what would those words of wisdom look like let's see um, joy is not the easy path, but it's worth it. Nice. Um, we do nothing alone. Uh, and I would say related to that, that in that sticky note, I would say honor the helpers and the teacher, teachers that come your way, because there are many, right? That's how we know we're not alone. Yeah, perfect. Um, and then the third sticky note would be joy is the process, not the outcome. <laughs> Oh, Vinny, 
lovely, wonderful words that sum up what I've taken from today's conversation so beautifully. Thank you for that. Brilliant. All that's left for me to say is genuinely a massive thank you for coming on the show today. I am deeply sorry that we didn't have a Kea here to help us through, but I've I've so enjoyed this chat. Thank you so much. And thank you for being another acolyte for joy. It's just a wonderful thing. Andy, thank you for your show. Thank you for embodying joy. You're truly a delight to be in conversation with. Uh, there is um, a kindness that emanates from you, a joyful leadership that emanates uh, from you that makes it so compelling to be in conversation. When Akaya and I were in a preparatory call with you, we were so moved. One of the reasons we wrote the book was to to be challenged and to grow and to speak and be in conversation with people that we wouldn't usually meet. And we were so touched um, by our initial conversation with you and so excited and a bit giddy uh, to, <laughs> to see what we would learn. And we've learned a lot from you as well. So thank you so much. Oh, you are one of life's beautiful people. Thank you so much, Vinny. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And please give my love to Akaya. And I genuinely hope I see and get to speak to you both again very soon. You take care. Thank you for this opportunity, Andy. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, everyone. That was Vinnie Bansali. If you'd like to find out a bit more about her or any of the topics that we've talked about today, please check out the show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.